Good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. It's good to see you here at church uh, this morning. Uh, before we get started, I, I have some um, uh, sad news to share, and this is in your program, and uh, I asked Chuck if I could make uh, this announcement, but uh, some of you may know um, Mr. Herbert Amano. Uh, he is a longtime member of our Nichigo congregation, um, but he also helped us uh, with uh, like line dancing uh, during our fun fest and, and different things. He's been a longtime member of the church, and uh, Mr. Amano, uh, he went to be home with the Lord this past week, and, um, and so we want to keep his family in prayer, to keep the Amano family in prayer. Uh, there will be a memorial service for him this Saturday at, at 1030 here at the church. Um, so if you, if you do know him, if you want to come pay your respects to celebrate his life, to come to the uh, service, it's at 1030. And uh, they're uh, planning for a reception, like a lunch reception. So they're asking for kind of a head count. Uh, so there's a sign-up sheet at the kiosk. Um, so uh, please sign up at the kiosk if you plan to attend. Uh, also, you may have noticed that there are uh, a number of people that are usually here, here in our congregation that are missing today, uh, in- including Pastor Corey and his family. So Pastor Corey and his family, they are uh, technically, they're on vacation. Uh, they're on vacation today and, and this coming week. Um, and I know a number of other people in our church that are out of town and on vacation. Um, but some of you may also know that uh, Shugo Komatsu and uh, Sarah, his fiance Sarah Lekowitz, uh, they, uh, they had their wedding today, actually. Um, they got married today, and it's, the service may be going on now. I think it's about this, you know, at this hour. Um, and so there are, I think, a number of people um, in our church as well that are, uh, are with them, and we pray that the Lord will, will bless them uh, on their special day. <clears throat> okay, got that out there, right? Um, it's good, though, for us to be together. Uh, I'm glad to see, see you here this morning. It's good for us to, to worship, to pray, uh, to take time in God's Word, to spend time in the Word. And since it's the first Sunday of the month, we're also going to be uh, uh, taking communion this morning. And so... Um, I want us to already get into the, I think, the, um, uh, the heart and attitude of communion this morning. And so, um, let me read. From Matthew 4.4, Jesus says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, as we read God's word this morning... As you consider what it says, as maybe the Lord speaks to your heart while you're sitting here in the pews this morning, um, I want you to already begin thinking about communion and what communion means. I want you to have Christ on your mind and think about what he has done for you on the cross. Have you heard the phrase, have you ever heard the phrase, Anything worth having is worth sacrificing for. 
Have you heard that phrase? Uh, There's different variations of it. Anything worth having is worth working for uh, or is worth fighting for. And the lesson is, is that the important things in life require commitment and resolve. The important things in life require commitment and resolve. And the more important the object is, the greater the commitment needs to be. Right? And I think we all live this way in a sense. We all live, we all live our lives with a list of priorities on our mind. You know, whether it be family or work or finances or relationships, there's a certain kind of priority list that we have on our minds. And we think about what's most important, and I think for the most part we try to live according to that. Well, this morning in our message, we're going to look at three three would-be followers of Jesus. Three men who had an encounter with Jesus and tried to figure out, I think, where he is on their priority list. Okay, each of whom misunderstood the commitment that was necessary to follow Jesus. And the question I ask, and this is the title of the message, the question I ask is, does Jesus ask too much of these men? Okay, that's an interesting question. Does Jesus ask too much of these men? Or for us, does God ask too much of us? Okay, so that's something I want you to, to think about as we, as, we, as we look at his word this morning. Uh, this passage that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 9 is pretty short. And so, um, like we did the last time that I spoke, uh, it's a short passage. I want to ask uh, that if you're able, if you would stand if you would stand for the reading of God's word. And so if you could stand now. Um, and the passage will be on, this, on the screen here. Let's read Luke 9, 57 through 62, uh, out loud and together, and, and then we'll pray. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our church family. Thank you for our guests here this morning. Thank you for all of us and for giving us a place to gather. And as Chuck mentioned this morning, Lord, there's so much going on in our lives, so much going on in the world. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would help us to focus on you, to know, Lord, that you are sovereign and in control. Lord, that you are out 
for the best for us, and you are working to shape us, to mold us, to transform us. And I pray that you would do that. You would bless us as a congregation here together as we come in your name, as we gather in your name, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, um, and that uh, my words would be your words, Lord, and that um, only your your words this morning would be remembered. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, As we look at this passage this morning, let me just try and uh, set the stage for you. Jesus is in his third year. Okay, His, his earthly ministry was only three years. So Jesus is in his final year of ministry here on earth. And at this point in the passage, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples, they're beginning a journey, a journey to Jerusalem. And this is a key, a key transition point in God's word in this book of Luke. In fact, the next 10 chapters in the book of Luke, um, they're all while Jesus and his disciples are on this journey. So the next 10 chapters, everything that happens is while they're on their way to Jerusalem. And as we progress in the book of Luke, you know, we've been going through this sermon series, we're going to see that Jesus speaks more and more about the kingdom of God and about the cost of discipleship, the cost of what it means to follow him. And these things all come together, and I tell you this, that they're on their way to Jerusalem because I think they all come together in Jerusalem. What's in Jerusalem, you ask? Right? Well, the disciples don't know it, but Jesus does. Jesus knows, right? He's headed towards the cross. This is his final journey in his final year of ministry. He is headed toward the cross. His crucifixion awaits him. His death awaits him. And if we look at back in uh, the same chapter 9, verse 51, it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So it's an important time in Jesus' ministry. And while he's on his way here in chapter 9, he runs into three three different men that are interested in following him. They're interested in becoming his disciple. And we don't know exactly what they know about Jesus or his ministry. Scripture doesn't tell us that. But they think they know enough to want to follow him. And so let's look at these three three followers this morning um, here in Luke chapter 9. The first one, the first man I will call Mr. Too Quick. Okay, he's Mr. Too Quick. In verse 57 it says, As they were walking along the road, a man came up to him and said, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, Jesus is in the last year of his ministry, and he wants everyone to come to know him, right? He wants people to follow him. He wants the gospel to go out. And this man gladly takes the initiative. He comes to Jesus, and he takes the initiative, and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, this is not unusual, especially unusual at this time. When someone wants to learn from another, 
there was often this master teacher or, or master student, teacher, student, disciple type of relationship. And so if someone wanted to learn, they would approach the teacher and they would ask if they can be their disciple or their apprentice. So this, is, this seems like a great thing, right? This man takes the initiative to do this. It's like someone coming into the church and saying, Pastor, I want to become a Christian. It's, it's a good thing. But if I didn't know the person, if I didn't know anything about their church background or, or, or their, their, their belief in, in who Jesus is, one of the first things I would ask is, what do you think a Christian is? What does this mean to you? And to this man, to Mr. Too Quick, Jesus replies, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, okay, and the Son of Man is a reference to himself as the Christ. Jesus says the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is saying he's a nomad. Jesus is a nomad. He's homeless here on earth. Okay, and as far as we can tell, the man walks away. We don't read anything about him and his faith and his joining the disciples. And when we read this passage, one of the first questions we need to ask ourselves is what does it mean to follow Jesus? See, I think the man probably thought of Jesus and his ministry in a certain way. He may have seen or heard about the miracles that Jesus did. He may have seen or heard about the healings and the exorcisms and how Jesus had power over the spiritual and the physical. He may have seen and heard the crowds that followed Jesus and the buzz and the anticipation and the excitement right, that accompanied Jesus wherever he went. And I think he thinks that following Jesus is going to be a ball. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, maybe even glamorous or sexy. It's the right thing. It's the cool thing to do is to follow Jesus. And I think he thinks of it like a, a kind of like an entourage, being in an entourage of a rock star right, or of some, some celebrity. And who wouldn't, who wouldn't want that? Right, the crowds, the excitement, the adrenaline. And we call him Mr. Too Quick because he seems to jump at the chance to follow Jesus without fully grasping what the ministry and the kingdom of God is really about. He sees things from an earthly perspective. What he doesn't understand and that Jesus tries to explain to him is that following Jesus, following him, means worldly sacrifice and hardship. 1 Peter says, in the book of 1 Peter, it says that we as Christians are sojourners and exiles here on earth. This is not our home. We as Christians were never meant to be fully comfortable here on earth. Philippians 3.20 says, 
but our citizenship is where? In heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And as such, Jesus says to this man that he has, Jesus has no place to lay his head, and neither will this man if he follows him. You see, Jesus wants everyone, he wants everyone to come to him and to follow him. But he doesn't want them to do it blindly or ignorantly. He wants them to count the cost. He wants this man to count the cost. People come to Jesus for many reasons. I think we see that and we know that. Some, we know, never truly understand the cost of following him. They're like the rocky soil in the previous chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 8 talks about the soils, right, and how people receive, different people receive the word of God. He's like the rocky soil, where it's the plant springs up quickly, but has no root. And then it says it withers away when trials come. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus talks about counting the cost of following him. And he says this because he wants to make sure that we are able to finish what we start. And we are able to finish the race faithfully. So Jesus explains to Mr. Too Quick, right, the cost of discipleship then is to give up the right to comfort and ease in this world. Reading on in verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, First, let me go and bury my father. So the first man is Mr. Too Quick. Guess what the second man's name is? Mr. Too Slow. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's interesting here that Jesus, Jesus initiates the call with this man. Jesus goes to this man. He must have seen potential in this man. Potential for him to be a devoted follower Someone who could grow in the Lord, grow in the kingdom of God. Maybe a man with a soft heart who could represent the gospel well. But what we see is that potential is not enough. Giftedness is not enough. This man hesitates. Okay, he hesitates and he puts his cultural and his family obligations first. He says, Lord, first let me go bury my father, which, which doesn't sound too unreasonable until we understand that this man's father was almost certainly not near death. He might not even have been sick. Okay, Mr. Tuslow, he's kind of playing the culture card or the family obligation card. And what he's, what he's saying is, I as a son, I want to go back to my home I need to go back, take care of my family. And if my father, when my father passes away, I need to make all the arrangements and make sure everything's okay before I come and follow you, Jesus. Okay, and this is a danger 
Because family is important. Family is important. Family is high on that priority list that we have on our minds. Okay? But when God calls, when Jesus calls and beckons to him, we need to be prepared to respond. Jesus tells him, and it sounds, it sounds rough and insensitive, Jesus tells him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus pressed this man to follow him now. And he's not saying that culture and family aren't important. But in the moment, it's a question of priorities. Will Will we respond when Jesus calls? And I think we know. I think we know that if we do everything our family or our culture says we're supposed to do, it will keep us from following Jesus wholeheartedly. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Our relationship with Jesus and the advance of his kingdom are to come first in our lives. Jesus doesn't mince words. We see that. Mr. Too Slow, he was torn. Okay, not by bad things. Not by bad things necessarily, but by the idol of culture and family. And it was reflected in his lack of urgency to follow Jesus. Moving on, verse 61 says, still another, okay, so finally the third man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. So the first man was Mr. Too Quick. The second man was Mr. Too Slow. I wish I could say the third man was Mr. Just Right, (laughs) okay, but there's no Goldilocks effect here. Okay, this wasn't the case. I call this third man Mr. Two-hearted. And that's two, two, T-W-O. And this is, this is especially difficult because his request to say goodbye, it sounds so simple. It sounds so harmless. It sounds natural. This is what you would do. This is the right thing to do. But I think there's a significance in his words And I'm being technical and looking closely here. There's a significance in his words. Let me go back. I think this means that he is divided between the future that Jesus is offering and the former life he's being called to leave behind. Though he says, I will follow, he's not fully committed yet. And Jesus' response is, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for, the, for service in the kingdom of God. And as I prepared this message and as I prayed over this, and, I, you know, and, and as you think about this, I thought about this, I thought, this, <laughs> this is a great challenge. All of these are, are huge challenges, but this one, boy, And that's why I entitled this message, 
right? Does God ask too much? But it reminds me of the story of the prophet Elijah. Okay, this third man reminds me of the story of the prophet Elijah. And as we wind down and we wrap up this message, I'm going to I just want to share this story. It's from 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. And, and our Tuesday Bible study, uh, the group of you that come to our Tuesday morning Bible study are familiar with this story because we, we talked about this. 1 Kings 19 uh, is when Elijah, who's the Old Testament prophet, he's getting old, he's getting up in age, and Jesus tell, uh, I'm sorry, God tells Elijah, to go find his successor. And he tells him his, sex, his successor to take over as Old Testament prophet will be Elisha. So Elijah is going to call Elisha to be a prophet of God and to follow him. And 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21, it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Okay, and this is a sign of uh, Elijah's anointing when he throws his cloak around him. Okay, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I I will come with you. And then Elijah, okay, Elijah says, go back. What have I done to you? See, Elijah, we're reading between the lines and we understand Elijah is offended. He's saying to Elisha, you're going to go back? Why? I think the call is clear. My anointing is clear. And so Elijah is offended that Elisha wants to go back and say goodbye this is just like this third man, right, in Luke. So Elisha left him and went back. Okay, but here's the encouraging part. Elisha, I think, he does the right thing. It says, he went back and he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah, and he became his servant. See, what does Elisha do in response to the call of God here in 1 Kings? He lays down his former life. He lays it down. He gives it up. He slaughters. He, once he, he goes home, he slaughters his livestock. Right? We, we find that Elisha... When Elijah meets him, right, he's plowing in the field. He's riding the oxen. He's plowing his field for his crop. Right? This is what he does. This is his job. Okay? This is Elisha's job. And this is his life. But when Elijah calls him, Elisha, he slaughters the livestock. He burns his equipment. He makes it an offering to God. He gives it up. At this point, Elisha couldn't return to his old life or his old job, even if he wanted to. But he doesn't want to. 
He knows what God is calling him to. He knows the hope, the joy, uh, the, the worthiness of what God is calling him to. And there's no going back. Elisha wanted to follow God, and he understood the cost of commitment. See, here in Luke, when we look at these three men, Mr. Too Quick, Mr. Too Slow, Mr. Too Hearted, we see that Jesus was not afraid from discouraging them from following him. He was straight with them. Right? He was not afraid of discouraging people of following him if they didn't understand it or if they didn't want to do it wholeheartedly. And this passage, this passage this morning is saying that Christ and his kingdom are so worth it. It's so meaningful, so important that no sacrifice, no sacrifice is too great for us to lay a hold of it and to grab it with both hands and to follow Jesus. Anything less of a call, anything where Jesus would like make the call less and compromise and allow men to follow him if they didn't understand or allow people to follow them, follow him if he wasn't, if they weren't wholehearted, it cheapens the gospel. It cheapens what God wants to do in your life and my life. But the call to follow Christ is costly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, he was an old pastor and theologian back in World War II, back in the 19, early 1900s. He was executed for his faith. He was executed because he was a Christian by the Nazis at the end of World War II. And he talks about this cheapening of what God offers. He said, Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance and change. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Does God ask, does God ask too much? That's a question only you can answer. What's clear is that he asks for a full commitment. He asks for a wholehearted devotion. And he leads the way. Jesus leads the way. Jesus loved you so much that he came to earth in the form of a man. He lived as a sojourner, an exile, here on earth. And he sacrificed his life on the cross. And scripture says he did this to reconcile you and me to the Father and to present you holy and blameless before God. So is it worth it? 
you know, I hope that you say it is. Right? And as we prepare our hearts for communion, let's, let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we pray that your uh, spirit would speak to us this morning and move on us, Lord. And uh, when we feel uh, inadequate, when we feel not up to the task, when we feel, Lord, like this call is too much, we pray, Lord, that you would give us um, the wisdom and the clarity to see, Lord, all that you have done for us, all that you want for us, all that uh, you promise to us, Lord. And we want to grab a hold of it. It is difficult, Lord. It is difficult to put um, these other things aside and to make you first in our lives. But we pray that you help us to do that and that you help us to answer the call to discipleship and the call to follow you. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would help each person here uh, to follow you faithfully. And uh, we pray that you would minister to us now as we, we remember you in communion this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.